Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned. I'm your host, Gina Meyer Vincent, and you know we are here to celebrate men and women, and maybe in the future, children, because we're doing a lot of work with students lately, but men and women who have made it through something, let's say that, I like to say sometimes it's hell or hellish experiences and have come through the other side because as you know, Exquisitely Aligned celebrates the inside journey where you become your finest self, living your best life on your own terms and doing the things that you know you're here to do, which is usually making a bigger impact. And so today I am so delighted to have with me Malvina Messler, the quantum success coach, speaker, author, and Paris retreat host extraordinaire. Sorry, I can read. As a co-founder of a national franchise brand and a former vice president of two technology companies, which sounds like something I would never want to be around, <laughs> coming from the fashion industry, technology is like, oh, totally different language for me. Malvina empowers women to unleash their inner CEO energy and design lives on their terms. She has done just that by embracing a global lifestyle, dividing her time between Colorado, California, and Paris, where she hosts her signature women's retreat. So welcome, Malvina. I'm so excited to have you here today. Gina, thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. Conscious conversation, impact, uh, and connection. What could be better? <laughs> exactly. So um, I believe your website says you grew up in Poland. Is that is that correct? I love, have always loved world travel. Growing up with a first generation American on my dad's side, my mom's first generation on her, uh, on her dad's side, you know, and we love to travel. So is that true? Absolutely. So for those of you that were thinking it must be Eastern Texas accent, you were <laughs> close, but you didn't quite hit it. Uh, it's Eastern Europe, Poland to be exact. And, um, and I actually grew up in Poland in times of communism. So uh, it's a, been a long journey from living in a country where entrepreneurship wasn't even allowed, when uh, reading books in English wasn't allowed, when, where MTV was forbidden and certainly uh, uh, international travel. Uh, it's been quite a long journey to now being an American citizen as well as European and being able to create life on my terms and live yeah. in multiple places. Yeah, I mean, I can't having grown up in New York and then moved to North Carolina and now here in California, I can't even fathom what that would have been like. Can you give us a glimpse into, you know, maybe some childhood memories, what that was? I mean, did it just feel natural because everybody around you lived the same way or did you know and realize that there is more out there? Mm. You know, it's a very good question because I feel like we always realize there is more and there's this spark inside us, right? Uh, when I was growing up, uh, the memories of my childhood are pretty gray. Uh, you mm -hmm. see, if you know anything about communism, it is very uh, dreary, um, um, yes. really 
reality. And so uh, I remember we didn't even have little things like like chocolate candy. Uh, wow. The only treat we had was a lollipop, like the uh, yeah, uh, yeah. fan or lollipop. That was it. So I remember that uh, things like wearing T-shirts with Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, we didn't have any of this. It was just really um, black and white kind of reality. And of course, you know, lack of things in stores. So so overall, of course, I had a happy childhood in terms of the love from my family and support. But the words like hope, possibility, yeah. basically only lived in dictionaries. I didn't really mm. connect with them. And I think... Mm. Um, really, it was it was something that we didn't even know it was yeah. available to us, and and that's wow. part of that being behind Iron Curtain. Right. Why are we behind Iron Curtain? What's on the <laughs> other side? Uh, and uh, and so the reality was pretty dreary, and that's why um, there were so many rules in place because the moment you actually open your mind, you open your consciousness to seeing how other people live, what else is mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, built your appetite and so right. um, the communist party guarded it very strongly uh, but it was you know inevitable that one day uh, we would open ourselves up to the world and once that happened including me that desire and that hope and possibility right. actually connected with my soul and my heart and I knew there is more out there <laughs> so what what age was that for you you remember, so, uh, like approximately. Yeah, I was a child, um, you know, when the communism was happening, I was a child. And then um, when my mom, uh, when martial law actually happened, which mm-hmm. was when for many years people were forbidden of leaving their houses and apartments after 10 p.m. You had oh. to be in your house. Uh, yes, there was. There were lines to stores, and you actually couldn't even purchase things in a store, even if you had money, until you wow. had a coupon, a voucher that allowed you to purchase it. So my parents, my mom already had me, and then um, uh, she was pregnant with my brother. So she was trading the vouchers for milk and produce, um, uh, and she was uh, trading them for the vouchers that she had for cigarettes and alcohol so she could feed her family. That's how, you know, so everyone had equal, but there was nothing really, so no one had anything. Yeah, and I mean, these are things we, you know, I take for granted every single day, and, um, you know, the fact that I could just grab my keys, get in my car, drive where I want, stay however long I want, buy, shop, you know, don't shop, whatever I choose. That's, yeah, that's incredible. So then when life changed, how old were you at that point? So when I was in uh, middle school, that's when we were finally allowed to study English and I was taking yeah. English classes, which was just unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And uh, capitalism came to Poland and my parents were actually allowed to start a business. They wow. actually, had, yes, they had this entrepreneurial spark in them. And my parents actually started the very first candy shop in the city. <laughs> yes, it was a revolution. And they thought they were for sure going to get so rich of that. Yeah. You know what happened? People were lining up. There were always lines outside the store and they named the store Malvina, like my name yeah. after me. Yeah. Uh, people were lining up to the store, but not to purchase because they didn't have the money. Oh. But literally, they were going through the store like uh, through the museum because they've never seen chocolate <laughs> bars, <laughs> candy. 
um, yeah, it was a revolution. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's um, and it must have been a beautiful like museum. Like when you think of candy, right? All the colors, the wrappers, they're they're, um, they're designed for children. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, that must have been, for somebody who's never experienced that, that must have been uh, heavenly. So did the store end up staying in business or did they have to close or change the product line? Yeah, you would think. Actually, uh, they didn't uh, strike gold <laughs> with that candy store, unfortunately. Uh, but they kept the entrepreneurial spirit and they would um, then open a home appliance store. Wow. So there was, a, there was a time where, you know, we didn't have color TVs, we didn't have washers, oh. dryers. So they were uh, traveling to Germany and wow. uh, buying all that equipment. And I remember they would go to Germany and, and bring bananas and oranges and bring them to us to Poland, which we didn't have those. And my friends thought those were toys. Uh, <gasps> so they didn't even know it was something to eat because we literally didn't even have TV uh, wow. of the global TV. We were right. only allowed to watch what was in Behind Iron Curtain, which, uh, you know, so this was, this was quite a culture shock. And, uh, and I think that truly opened my eyes because things dramatically changed. Uh, I will tell you one person, yeah, really changed the history of Poland. And um, it was a motivational speaker who came to Poland. I call him motivational speaker, uh, mm -hmm. but we all know him as Pope John Paul II. Yeah. And it's not a religious speech at all. However, mm -hmm. what he did is um, in his sermon under yeah. the umbrella of, of you know, a religious event, he actually spoke it was a motivational speech about hope about possibility yeah. about respect and that really opened yeah. our minds and hearts and there was one man who really connected with those words his name was Lech Wałęsa you mm -hmm. may uh, have heard of him he actually uh, decided he was a simple electrician didn't even go to college and those words landed on him and he thought you know I can be the change I'm seeking yeah. He started uh, gathering other electricians and shipyard workers, and they demanded to have conversations with the Communist Party, and they formed wow. what we now know as Solidarity Movement. Yes, which yes, which uh, you know took uh, like uh, uh, you know it took over whole Europe, Eastern Bloc, other countries like Slovakia, Czech, uh, um, you know Yugoslavia. They saw that the leading party was listening and that really was the beginning of the fall of communism. And we know America stepped in and the Western mm -hmm. countries. And so I saw how the power of the mind in that moment to really right. believe that we can do better, there is more for us, yes. changed the history of Poland. And then this guy, imagine this, he became the first democratically elected president of Poland. No oh. college education. Wow. And and then he received a Nobel Peace Prize. So Oh wow. Yeah. That's and it's so true. I mean, there's so much. I mean, we could talk for a week um about just that in general of you know, from teaching yoga for more than a decade, uh we talk about in yoga on the mat the monkey mind and how it can spiral downward or how it can take you upward. 
And it's really up to us as individuals and then as communities and, and so forth, nations in the world to um, step into that place where we can vibrate at a different level where, you know, we can be that positive change. And those words do, if you're into uh, quantum physics, vibrate at such high levels, much higher than fear and despair and and all those other words that make us feel, for me, unhealthy, let's say. Um, so, so then tell me, how did you or when or and why? Uh, what is the story of leaving Poland? Because clearly you're not in the three different locations that you are nowadays. Poland was not one of them. So um, how did that take place? That's right. So, you know, once I got a taste of the power of the mindset and this different way of thinking and then the borders opened and then, you know, reality in Poland changed, um, I went to study philosophy and uh, that really expanded my my horizons and my consciousness, (laughs) (laughs) as you can imagine. And so America clearly was was just like this beacon of hope, of this possibility mm-hmm. of anything is possible in this country. And I actually got a uh, one of my first jobs. I was very, very fortunate. Um, once, you know, capitalism was already in full strength. Um, I worked for this company called Dynamite. And I don't even know if they're still around, but they um, uh, developed me as an instructor of speed reading, um, mnemotechniques, concentration focus. So I really got to tap into some of the neuroscience and really understand that we really just use a fraction, small fraction of our brain power. (laughs) Sadly, but true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that was like the beginning. I was just like, oh my goodness, that opened my eyes. And I thought, what else is out there? And this company happened to be from America. So all the science behind it was in America. And I thought, oh my gosh, I got I kind of explore. So I was always gravitating towards that free thinking, entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. this dreamland uh, that America was. And uh, but I didn't really consider moving here. I just really wanted to come for the summertime. I applied for this uh, work and travel program at the time. Uh-huh. Took some time from college. And when I came, I thought I'm gonna just see the whole America. I'm gonna work. Uh, <laughs> and then I my visa allowed me to explore for a couple months. Well, I was in uh, for a surprise because, I mean, I saw the, the map, but it was still, it's just, you, you think like, oh, no problem. I'll just go from the West Coast. I'll, Poland I'll the East Coast. and America. Poland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I experienced this and it was just a life changing for me, you know, just different way of, uh, of looking at the world. And at right. that time I felt Europe was at least where I was coming from, very constrained, very limiting. And here I was in a country where you can reinvent yourself every day. You can start yes. fresh. You can do anything you want. You can be anything you want. You can start any business. And there's such a profound um, network of support. And yes. I just was hooked on that. <laughs> well, and I think I think what people... Uh, don't often realize um, unless they're having a conversation with you or they go abroad is that we kind of, as Americans take that for granted. You know, I think that everybody knows an entrepreneur or a solopreneur um, or two, or maybe it's them listening in, but um, 
it's not until you start speaking to other people. For instance, uh, a friend of mine is lives in, she's Australian, but lives in uh, right outside of London. And her clients are entrepreneurs. 99 point, probably 5% of her business is from Americans. And I said to her, now, wouldn't it be easier for you to work with people there in the UK even, right? It's your time zone, so forth and so on. And she said, no, they don't, you know, if they become an entrepreneur, it's usually like, kind of like a hobby, not really a business, a corporation. It's really very, a little more um, small, the dream than like what you're sharing here. And I think that as Americans, unless you're traveling abroad and seeing this for yourself or having these conversations with you now, Melvina, you know, we don't always step back and go, yeah, we have so much at our fingertips. So the ability, and like you said, the support is really here with networking, with uh, other businesses to help those entrepreneurs get off their feet or, or step to the next level and so forth. So I'm glad you brought that up. But what else were you going to say? You know, I love that you're bringing this up because as we know, as coaches, that comfort zone is often the biggest enemy of our dreams and fulfilling those on, on, upon those. Um, I love what you shared about UK because United Kingdom is so, so similar to America in so many aspects. And yet there is such a profound difference. Mm -hmm. You know, I have um, a couple of clients from South Africa and they also uh, share with me that networking is kind of non-existent there. Right. Something that's a standard for us. We have chambers of commerce. We have so many networking organizations. And uh, so there's a lot that, uh, that we can easily take for granted until we see <laughs> other places. And mm -hmm. I will tell you that 4th of July is a really important holiday for me because, um, you know, I, it took me actually uh, probably 10 years to consciously decide to become a U.S. citizen, even though mm -hmm. I was already eligible for that, because to me, it wasn't just a matter of um, convenience or a paperwork. Right. I really wanted to feel that. And whenever 4th of July Independence Day happens, I'm just really connecting with the land of the free and the, the, yes. the possibility that's here. And this is truly the American spirit. And I know it sounds cliche, but coming from another country and from a yeah. formerly communistic country, it is truly a gift. It is truly mm -hmm. a gift. Yeah. My husband remembers becoming a U.S. citizen. He was, it might have been end of elementary or beginning of middle school uh, because he was born outside of London and came here as a, as a three, four-year-old. And then, um, but it's, it's funny. So yeah, it's an important time. It's an important decision. Uh, our daughter became a U.S. citizen, I think, when she was... Uh, was it five, four or five? Um, it was exciting, you know, for her birthday. It, it timed up with her birthday. So we did like a little, everybody got a passport, a party passport <laughs> and stuff. And, you know, it was, it was fun. Forgive me. My, my, um, my strap is sliding down my shoulder and feeling uncomfortable. Okay. Back to reality. <laughs> um, so then, 
Tell us a little bit more. I think you said we we spoke briefly, and I always like to keep it brief so that I get to meet you here in real time. Um, and I know you had mentioned at one point you were in a marriage that wasn't so healthy, and I think we used the word toxic. So was that while you were here in the United States, or when did that come about? Yes. So, you know, after spending six months in the United States, that's when I uh, met my uh, future husband. And so we had a long distance relationship. And um, I remember I went back to Poland and uh, and eventually, you know, it was such a big love that we wanted to be together. And at that time, it made more sense for me to come here than for him to move to Poland, not speaking the language. Uh, I I remember I was literally at the flea market. I was, you know, 22, um, Mm -hmm. didn't have much money, didn't even own a car. All I had was my, uh, you know, handbags and and shoes and clothes. And trust me, those were not designer handbags. (laughs) So I went to the flea market to literally sell whatever I had so I can afford a plane wow. to get to America. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then I came and, you know, the rest was a history. He And yeah. I didn't even think I was moving at the time. Uh, we were still exploring it. But before we, we knew it, he said, you know, you're not going back. We're starting a life here together. And so it was a beautiful adventure life. Uh, yeah. He really embodied the adventure spirit of America to me. Um, mm-hmm. He was in hospitality industry. So... Uh, from the coaching space, I actually moved into hospitality and I and we were blessed to actually travel across America and we would work for um, resorts in Aspen and Alaska and Uh Taiwan Islands and Hawaii. So it was beautiful. But what I didn't realize in in, on that journey uh, was that uh, the relationship I had was very unhealthy Uh and uh, was very codependent and at that time um, you know I didn't know better but now mm. looking at the hindsight you know it was it became an, a, a psychologically abusive uh, marriage and I remember one day when we moved to Hawaii and I was in paradise right so you you would think yeah. 20 something year old coming from Poland she just uh, <laughs> this is a golden ticket right but we weren't there that long. We haven't established, you know, friendships and I didn't have my support system besides my husband. And sure. one and another thing happened and uh, another fight uh, to the point that he threw me out of the house and I was left without yeah. keys, without phone, wallet. And in the evening, so I walked to the beach, didn't know what to do. And I just slept on the beach. And at that moment, oh my gosh. time, yeah, it wasn't... Uh, wasn't pretty uh, and I didn't even consider the the uh, potential danger of being yeah. a woman sleeping on a beach because right. the danger danger at home was just so real yeah that um, but when I was going to sleep you know tears rolling down my uh, cheeks I promised myself this is it no more this ends here I'm gonna yeah. go home pack my bags and I'm gonna start fresh yeah. Um, but unfortunately, when I went home the next day, it was time to go to work for my shift. And okay. before I know it, because I couldn't afford to quit my job, before I know it, not only I'm not packing my bags, but I'm finding excuses for the behavior. Mm-hmm. And I and I stayed four more years. 
four more years. Did you say four more years? I sure did. Wow. Um, yeah. I can't even, I, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful. I've never been in that situation, but just listening, right. And, and feeling into what would it be like to sleep on the beach alone? Uh, and I love the beach. Don't get me wrong. It, the beach. And especially we just came back from Hawaii uh, before the fires in Maui, right before the mm. fires. Um, and um, I just can't even imagine being able to fall asleep, I'd have been with one eye open, just wondering every single sound, you know, because it's so open, you're so exposed, mm -hmm. you're so, you know, available to be possibly taken advantage of hurt, whatever, I don't know. But, you know, I'm thankful you were safe that night. Um, but to go back to that for four years, uh, to me, I'm getting exhaustion. I mean, mm -hmm. can you describe and, and, nervousness i mean were you fright were you yeah were you nervous were you fright intimidated at that time you know at that time what i didn't know is um you know when we're and for some of the listeners or viewers you might have had your own stories mine is not that that different i mean we all go through things but at that time, what I didn't know is I didn't understand my nervous system. I didn't mm. understand that I was in the survival mode, that I was okay. in the fight or flight. Yeah. And I really wasn't equipped to make decisions that would serve my higher self. Sure. I was so much in that fear that, um, yeah. you know, I forgave myself for that. And, yes. and I also... Uh, also took responsibility for the codependency that was um, created and lasted this long. Uh, mm -hmm. But what I, and that's what really informed me to then study the neuroscience, study the brain, study the psychology. Mm -hmm. and, and now one of the things I really specialize in is neuroscience of change. Because mm -hmm. for me, I made that conscious decision to leave and yet I didn't. And I didn't for mm -hmm. four years. So every day I had a chance and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And so so what's behind it? And and there is so much behind it. I mean, yes. I truly created that was my normal. My nervous system right. thought that was the safe place when right. there were constant uh fights and arguments and that overwhelm, like you said, it was exhausting. I was so exhausted. I didn't even have it in me to, um, you know, to come up with, with solution to the problem I had. Right. And, and now I know that there are so many people, I have compassion yes. for myself and for others who go through this, because looking outside, we say, come on, this is black and white. It doesn't serve you. But it's uh, not it when you're in Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important point to make because it's very easy on the outside to say, why is she still with him? Or why is he still with her? You know, depending on what's going on. And I think that you uh, explaining it just the way you did, giving it a voice that it's not that easy when you're on the inside. And we, We've heard this before. Um, Juliet was just on giving that a voice, um, you know, of what it was like for her. And, you know, I think also sometimes we feel vulnerable, 
right? To tell somebody else, hey, this is what's going on in my home. You know, it's, you don't want to, others, maybe you don't, not you personally, Malvina, but we, we don't want somebody else to know that, that, that we're exhausted, we're in a toxic uh, relationship, we're, um, I was going to say, kind of taking things that we shouldn't have to take, putting, yeah, you know what I mean, but hundred um, uh, yeah, percent. good. Yeah, go ahead. You said, uh, you know, actually, I, I will agree with you. I was one of those women. I was so ashamed. The shame was devastating because I consider myself a smart, intelligent woman. Yeah, definitely capable. I mean, I moved to America without my family and all right. those things. So how was I stuck in that? situation in this marriage I just yeah. um it depleted my sense of self-worth to be mm -hmm. honest with you my confidence went down the drain mm -hmm. and I will say that it became a vicious cycle and uh and my parents didn't even know what I was going through no one well I was gonna through. I was gonna ask did did anyone in your your inner circle of family and friends know so thank you for yeah yeah it's probably not something you want to pick up the phone and say hey by the way I had to sleep on the beach a week ago, you know, or, and not by choice, you know. Right. And, and I think that was really part of why it lasted so long because I wasn't seeking help um, because mm -hmm. I was so ashamed of this. And, and oftentimes, you know, that's why I, I actually took uh, my story and put it on paper, even though I healed that sense, you know, it's been mm -hmm. uh, 12 years since I've been divorced, but uh, but I thought, you know what, it's not just for me, it's for other women to hear that. And, right. and there was a pivotal moment in this journey when what I realized was I was really abandoning myself. Exactly. I, I had my Catholic guilt, and I know you know this about mm -hmm. self-abandonment uh, from the work you do with women. But, you know, I grew up Catholic, so that's part of that cultural programming and conditioning. And mine was for good and for bad, right? Mm -hmm. You just stay. And I was so determined to be the good person. And I also had my savior identity mm -hmm. <laughs> that uh, for as long as, I, as he had issues, um, as I saw it, and, and yeah. there were problems, I could exercise my savior identity, or at least I mm -hmm. thought I was trying to save him. Well, the truth is there was no chance for me to save him because no. I was so <laughs> deeply, no, I had no power in, in saving myself. So how could I save him? Right. And so uh, eventually I realized, you know, um, that what my mom said to me once, and she didn't even know the extent of the situation. And she said, you just need to love yourself more. Yes. Right. That just and, and you know what? When she said it at first, I had resistance to it because when she said it, I thought, oh, she wants me to be selfish. She wants me to be self-absorbent. She wants me to be, uh, you know, egotistic. So mm -hmm. at first I had a resistance to it because I was a kind person. But then I sat with it and I sat with that and it just wouldn't leave me. And I thought to myself, can she possibly be right? <laughs> we never, we never want to admit that our mom is right. And I right. thought, oh my gosh, what if she knew the extent of this? And I thought to myself, I think she's absolutely right. I literally didn't love myself enough. I loved him right. so much. Uh, and I wanted to stand for him and for our marriage. But in that nurturing our marriage, nurturing uh, my ex-husband, I yeah. stopped nurturing myself. 
Yeah. And I think that happens often and it doesn't even have to be in a toxic relationship. What I found with, mm-hmm. with clients um, for 20 years now is that oftentimes people think they're being nice and I usually say, uh, I'll call her Nora, just to give somebody a name, right? And Nora thinks, believes, like you said, if I'm taking care of so much myself, then I'm being selfish instead of, hey, I'm filling my cup. I'm loving me so that my cup overflows with love. Mm-hmm. And then I can love my husband, my kids, my dog, my cat, my neighbor, my parent, you know, whatever the deal is. And I think that Nora ends up being, she's always been nice. Um, She's the one people come to. She's always there helping, always giving, giving, giving of her heart, of her time, of her energy, maybe even her money. And uh, there comes a point where she feels depleted and maybe even angry at the others who she's given to. And and that's Mm -hmm. not even in a toxic relationship, right? Then when you add toxicity and codependency, this takes it up, in my opinion, by a thousand or two thousand fold of what's going on. And I think that oftentimes it's the women, sometimes men, but more often maybe women who give up those pieces of themselves Mm -hmm. to care for, you know, and be the doting wife or the doting mother, whatever the, the situation Um, So I know you're not alone. I'm glad there was that pivotal moment. And I'm glad, you know, you heard what your mom said and that it went through a few different times. Because sometimes when somebody says something, we think, oh, that's not for me or, oh, it must mean this. And like you said, you're like, I'm a kind person. I'm not a selfish person. Why would I? So forth. So how did you manage you know, to, I mean, I'm guessing, but I don't know that it was probably not the easiest thing to, to, to walk or get away from. So how, how were you able to leave that relationship? You know, the truth is that uh, I know he knew exactly what he was uh, putting me through and, and through our relationship and, and, you know, when there are factors like alcoholism, like gambling and other addictions, then it, it becomes really uh, so much more advanced. And I think yes. he, he, he really didn't put up much of the fight um, because the truth was he had a choice to choose himself and a healthy way of being because there was a path for him as well. And. And so I don't think he ju- he j- gave up just on our marriage and on me. I think it was more on himself too. Absolutely. And, um, and so uh, it, you know, it was uh, the moment I was divorcing him, I uh, was fully in love with him. He was still the love of my life. I, to wow. this day, I only send him love and, and kind thoughts and I wish him well. And, um, and, you know, I developed myself as a trauma coach as well. So I also have compassion for different things. And at the same time, we can be compassionate and we can hold people accountable. We mm-hmm. don't have to put ourselves through things that don't right. serve us and that are unhealthy right. for us. So 
I started rebuilding myself. But the first thing on my journey was I couldn't really restore my power and 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 reclaim my happiness until I removed myself from that environment. Oh, absolutely. So when, yeah. And, and the moment I did, you know, it wasn't easy, but uh, universe has its ways. <laughs> and when we really desire something, I know on a quantum side, you know that. Uh, when we put that desire out there, just the universe conspires to align the things for us. And uh, I remember when I got divorced, not only I was an immigrant, so even the building mm. up the cre credit score was also something uh, of a new thing for me because in Europe we didn't have a thing like credit score right. back then. So, uh, and imagine when you're married to someone who's gambling, there are financial problems. Oh, wow. uh, my credit score went downhill because of that, because we were uh, a marriage yeah. to a unit. Okay. So I was facing not only uh, leaving the divorce with not just, not any assets, but rather debt uh, to, that oh. was allocated to my name. So I had to pay the debt off. Then I had to rebuild my life. We just moved to Denver, Colorado. I was new to that community at the time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, uh, you know, rebuild my finances and myself in a process. Sure. And you know what? Within, I think it was uh, 18 months or 20 months, I was a homeowner. I was able yeah. to rebuild my credit. I was so committed and had uh, seeked out guidance from experts yeah. and was able to do that. Um, changed my career, got into franchising back then, got into uh, business um, and and really was able to start. Re re um, I would say it was almost like excavating myself in mm -hmm. a process. It took many mm -hmm. years, but I just forgot who I was because I, yeah. as you mentioned, I gave piece of myself away every single time I put up with things and I didn't speak up for myself. And yeah. so it took some time to, I call it the journey of unbecoming mm -hmm. <laughs> or of taking off the layers that were in me uh, and coming back to who I was. And, sure. um, and that led me to, to the path that I'm on because that personal development journey uh, mm -hmm. allowed me to really equip myself with tools that I thought, gosh, what if I shared those tools with other people? Just <laughs> right. like you, just like you're right. doing. I mean, uh, this cannot go in vain. And so I am couldn't be happier to have gotten to the place where through the power of self-love, I was yeah. able to increase my sense of self-worth, uh, which allowed me to now be um, make an impact on other women, just like you're doing, mm -hmm. and really be of service to others. Yeah. So I'm really fortunate. Yeah, and we're fortunate that you've done the work. I mean, for me, I like to say that if if we are like Nora, playing nice and giving up pieces of ourself, or um, I like to think of Rachel as the rebel. Rachel's going against what you know society, our one size fits all world, has told us we should be, or who we should be, or even our spouse, right? And um, neither one of those is a healthy way of living because it, after time, being nice all the time gets exhausting. It's depleting. Being a rebel all the time, you're constantly uh, on guard, ready to fight something. Mm -hmm. And then I like to say Fran, Fran may have been nice, 
Then she became a teenager. She became a rebel. Then she went back to being nice because she got this new job and got married. Then she got divorced or quit her job. And now she's the rebel again. Her kids are out of the house, you know, and it's this like back and forth. And I believe I've seen it so many times. It's just so exhausting. And I've heard people tell me they needed to reinvent themselves, which I am totally against because I believe the truth is we were born this way. We were born the way you sit across from me right now, Malvina, as your authentic, truest version of yourself, which I call exquisitely aligned. So for me, it's always about realigning. If we've given away pieces of ourselves, it's reclaiming them back. And it's not always easy. So I'm glad you were able to find methods and tools and maybe some people along the way. And now you share it with others the same way as I do, because, you know, for me being a New Yorker, that's my accent, uh, New Yorker by birth. Yeah. I can't get rid of it, but, uh, you know, I can't sit back and watch someone remain stagnant, stagnant or stifled or being held in a place, like you were saying, like four years to me is like, oh, four years. You know, at first I thought you said months, but I was jotting notes. I always like to take notes so that I can use them for the, you know, for the show notes. But um, I was like, I think she said years, you know, and that to me, of course, had I known you back then, I would have been, hey, Malina, come here. We need to talk a little bit. I wish so you were more, 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 more. more. In my yes. life. <laughs> Listen to your mother, your mother, you know, or let me repeat it with a New York accent. Maybe you'll listen to me and we'll give you your mom credit afterwards, you know. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it happens. It happens often. And it's so fabulous to see you on the other side and see you glowing and know that you're out there helping change women. And I'm sure there's a few smart men that work with you as well, changing their lives and making an impact, because I believe that's why we're here. And I believe those those hardships, those for me, I've, I've had a lot of twists and turns, uh, so much so that I've had people say to me, why do these things happen to you? And I'm like, you know what? It makes for great podcast television episodes, <laughs> you know, and it makes for great being able to um, relate and connect with other people, right? If we've experienced a snippet of what someone is talking about, we can like, oh yeah, I know a little bit about what that feels like, but um Kudos to you for making it to the other side. I know you have a, a new book. So if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about that, Malvina? Absolutely. And so this story is uh, part of the, the book Becoming You that I co-authored with, with several women who have equally powerful stories um, of really journey back to themselves. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I really love what you said about realignment. It really stuck with me because... I believe that what we can be, we must be. Yes, absolutely. And that goes to your principle that, you know, we've all been born with a message, with a purpose, with a mm -hmm. reason to be here. And a lot of times uh, we're in our own way. So I often tell people <laughs> that the way I see it is just like, you know, I will share a little story about Michelangelo. He He's a famous sculptor. We all know him so well. And, and he carved those beautiful angels. And his students said, 
master, master, how do you carve this delicate angel out of this heavy stone, marble, yeah. and granite? But they look so delicate. And uh, Michelangelo said, well, that's easy. I just chip away what's not angelic. Yes. And that's the process I feel, uh, you know, I went through because the yeah. truth is we've all always been who uh, our highest selves and we just let light pile on. So in this book, um, that's the, the, the story that I share. And, the, and, the, uh, and what I realized is it took me many years, as you know, uh, um, to really uh, truly remember who I was. So right. now uh, I'm really committed to sharing that uh, the steps I took with women and hopefully uh, the next woman who's uh, sitting where I was sitting in that yes. marriage or it could be the job that doesn't serve Correct. Her. I was just going to say career, uh, toxic career. Yes. Or environment, maybe the place yes. you live in doesn't support Correct. you, the community. So it doesn't have to be the marriage. Culture, and, it could be, yes. Oh, I mean, absolutely. it could be a family, it, you know, uh, your extended family that just has beliefs that are limiting you. Yeah, no. You're and not. any dynamic that, that stifles you, doesn't support Correct. you, and you want to go through that change. Uh, I share the steps in a book uh, which I took, and, and now I actually uh, teach women those steps uh, in a much quicker way. Now you don't have to go through four years before you, <laughs> right. before you exit. And in fact, um, you know, part of the things I, I do is because for me, the journey, I call it the journey of self-love. Mm -hmm. And um, because I, I had to shift the most damaging belief that I had, which was mm -hmm. that self-love was selfish. But right. to your point, if we don't fill our cup first, then there's nothing to give to others. Exactly. So just like we board the plane and they say yes. in terms, in case oxygen. of emergency, put your oxygen mask first before assisting others. Um, so that's a powerful framework. And now I actually take women on the journey to the city of love, which is Paris, because what a better place to fall in love with yourself if not in the city of love. And mm -hmm. that's what I did for myself as a crowning moment. So it's, it's very special to me. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. And for those of you who are ready to get the book or connect with Malvina, all of her information is here uh, below in the show notes. Um, so that please feel free to connect. Um, and I love all of that. And I think that when we are able to share our stories here with me today uh, in your book, on your website, in your social media, wherever we share uh, on stage. We give permission to others, to other women and men, even children, to, um, to be able to share themselves. I think everybody has a story. Uh, we've had several authors on lately. Uh, we'll have another one back because... Uh, we only got to speak about two out of our seven books. But, um, you know, the thing is, when we are able to be transparent and vulnerable and raise our hand and say, I need help. Or mom, what you just said to me, really, or not just, but what, what you said to me X, Y, Z months ago or weeks ago really stuck with me. I'm ready. I need help, you know, or even if it's a friend, we've heard many stories where um, Deborah Wondercheck was just recently on and she was talking about her mom was able to escape with four out of the seven children when the mm -hmm. oldest three were away at college. 
And so she was, she knew it was her time because she had only four to get out of, uh, you know, the other three were, were safe and how she did that journey and, and how many other women helped her. It was almost like an underground railroad of how they got these mom and four kids out and, and moved around enough to get them out of state. Well, first out of the city, out of the state and um, so far away that they were, they were good. And there's, there's always help and there's always people like Malvina, please reach out and, and, um, I feel like trauma is not something or toxicity, whatever the word that you feel suits you or makes sense today. It's nothing to be ashamed about. So many people can relate, um, whether it was they themselves, their sibling, their parent, their child. It's that close. It's really, I know we say six degrees of separation, or at least that was the saying when I was a kid. Now I feel mm-hmm. like it's a half degree of separation, right? With podcasting and, and meeting people around the world and travel and the internet. I, I don't think there are six degrees. I think that we are each have stories that are very much similar. And so Malvina, I, I am grateful that you shared so freely and transparently today as you did um, of the times that were not so comfortable and how beautifully comfortable they are for you today. I appreciate that. Gina, thank you for creating such a safe space to have this conversation. I love the mission you're on and uh, the stand you take for every woman to have her voice and be able to share it and live their best lives. Because we are all worthy. We were born worthy. And Mm -hmm. we all need someone like you. I wish I had you when I was born. (laughs) Because I felt so alone and misunderstood. And so the the point is, let's reach out for help. Let's connect. Because... Uh, your Gina is only, uh, you know, a phone call away, right? Yes. And being alone and misunderstood is um, a feeling many people have. And it, it doesn't have to be in that in a marriage. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just in the world. We, I've always seen, uh, I, I shared this story recently, so I won't go into it. But uh, I love wearing rose-colored glasses. And um that's the way I was born. I still see things that way. I don't watch the news. I don't read the newspaper. Um, I only bring in things to my home that fill me up, you know, like fresh cut flowers, art, so forth. Uh, and um, I don't let the news in here except for when my parents are visiting and have to stay connected to the news. I try not to sit. <laughs> I try to, <laughs> it, it just, you know, um, from an energy level, it makes me twitch. But um, we don't see eye to eye on uh, should we watch the news or not. The healthy benefits of not watching the news is still a conversation that I am not winning with my my parents. So at any rate, everybody's allowed to have their own opinion. But we can feel alone even by just seeing the world a different way. I always mm. see the beauty in the world. I did a whole... Um, season of the art of creating beauty. And, you know, beauty is something I desire in, in conversations, in 
um, relationships in my home, in my, uh, where I spend my time. When I look at my plate, I desire beauty. My husband will be like, oh, here we go. You know? <laughs> oh gosh, this is not going to meet her standards. You know, not that he's cooking, but if we go out somewhere, it's like, wait, that's not, you could have made it prettier, you know? And um, those things bring me such joy. And because of that, there were times, so many times that I remember feeling alone and misunderstood mm. because the people around me didn't always see things the way I did. And um, I think we could probably spend another episode speaking about alone and misunderstood. So I, well, I'll leave it at that because uh, it is time for me to let you go. But before I let you go, I'd love to pull a card from the opening to possibilities deck. Um, these were designed by me with the intention of allowing people to use them either as journal prompts, contemplation or meditation or conversation starters. So as you can imagine, I've always loved meeting people from around the world. And um, my family knows that uh, I've always had really deep conversations with strangers. What they call strangers, I call them my new best friend. So Melvina, mm -hmm. as my new best friend, I'm gonna thumb through the um, deck and then I'm gonna ask you just to say stop whenever you feel. So I'll start mm -hmm. now. Advice. Oh, this is perfect. Advice. I think you've given great advice just here today. And then I know in your book as well. Advice is abundant, even in unexpected places. So there are three questions you can answer one, two or all three. How do you discern? Um, sorry. How do you discern which advice to act on? Has someone else's advice changed your life? I know your mom, <laughs> see how these cards, always the right one comes out. So I'm answering your questions for you with what you've already told me. I apologize, yes. but give us another one. And what is your favorite piece of advice to give? Hmm. Well, I think, yes, number two was answered by my mom's advice. Uh, I will also say that I used to be, I, I say that I had an advice seeker syndrome. <laughs> I was yeah. looking for answers outside of myself. And oh. my biggest advice for anyone listening and watching is tune out the noise, just like yeah. Gina said, whether it's TV, whether it's other people, and come back to yourself because the best advice for you that anyone can give you is you. Yes. So take time to stay, to be still, mm -hmm. however that looks like for you and tune in. And you will know we all have different, speak different languages of intuition. <laughs> or some of us, we will see the sign. Other times we'll hear it or we'll have deep knowing right. and trust it, trust it and trust it. And that is going to be the best advice because no one knows you as well as you know yourself. No one has the journey that you're on. Mm -hmm. So you're your own best advice giver. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> That's exactly what we do here. So thank you again, Melvina. You've been such a delight. Um, what was a, a chance meeting at a networking? Well, maybe not chance. Maybe it was fate, right? A, a quick uh, hello at a networking meeting 
has become a lovely conversation that I hope continues uh, moving forward. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. I absolutely want to order the cards and I want to know more about your art of creating beauty because oh. <laughs> that spoke to me. I'm like, you got me going. So. <laughs> well, we definitely can talk about that. That's for sure. That is something I am very passionate about, have been passionate about from a young age. And I, I'll, I'll give you a just a quick snippet. I remember like so vividly um, my mother, I think she was very concerned, like what I'm the oldest of three. Um, my sister is four and a half years younger. My brother is six years younger than her. So almost 11 years younger than me. And I remember her, you know, cause I always loved the finest of whatever, whether it be jewelry, clothing, shoes, you know, um, it's no wonder I went into the fashion industry. Right. But, you know, I, I just always, I liked nice places. I liked fine hotels and fine China and crystal. And, you know, I could see my mother, I think she, maybe, and I never even asked her, she does listen to the show. So mom, this question's for you. <laughs> give give me right. a call after I ask. But I, I never got to ask her. I think I felt that she thought I was attracted to money. Mm. And um, I couldn't give you those words when I was a teenager, right? But now that I'm an adult and uh, like you have done so much soul work for myself, I, I have looked back and it's, no, I just have this, I personally desire beauty. For me, it's not superficial. It's super fuel. And so one, when I am in a place like today, having a conversation with you, Malvina, that is deep, transparent, and inspiring, that to me is beautiful. And it fuels me to go on for the rest of my day. And so, you know, beauty for me is, is I just always have loved artwork. My, my father is a, does beautiful art. We have some of his art. We have my deceased father-in-law's art, which is very different than my dad's. My daughter is an artist. Um, and so I just, yeah, I value those things, but we can definitely speak more about that. But that also made me feel at times alone because mm. I saw that others didn't value that the way I did and were like, oh, this place is fine. I'm like, no, the atmosphere is not right. I don't want to eat lunch here. You know, I, I want to, hey, I, I see someplace else. I feel the energy. I, I want to be there. So we could definitely speak about all those things plus worthiness, because we only tapped mm. on a little bit of it. So you'll definitely have to come back so we can discuss that. But um, I'd like to offer for those of you who have listened in and found some places where you were nodding your head, like being able to reconnect with your truths and just tell you about a two hour transformation that has been proven um, so highly successful that we just um, put it out to the press. It's gotten a lot of pickup here in the United States and in the United Emirates for Purpose, Possibilities and Prosecco, a two hour transformation like no other. It is a private session shared between myself and Sabine Kaiser, a very talented and knowledgeable face reader that she will be able to gaze into your face 
bring you back to that purpose in life. And then you get to speak with myself as well for that journey where we were talking about the mind may have some, um, let's say, no, you can't do that kind of moments or uh, that's a little bigger than I think I'm worth. So love to have you for that. You'll find the information below. Until next time, be exquisite.